Asia-Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning. It is November 19. You're on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna taking you through to 9.30 this morning. A big thank you to Annie McLaughlin for another uh, amazing um, Solidarity Breakfast show. Thank you, um Thank you, Annie, for that. So coming up on today's program, we're just bringing you news from around the region intermingled with a little bit of music today. Um, so I'll primarily be playing First Nations performers um, and, yes, a bit of news from around the region. Of course, I should let listeners know, if you're not already aware, um, the ITALK International Trade Union Confederation is having its uh, congress here in Melbourne. So Melbourne town is littered with international trade unionists. Um, get along to some of the events, some of the open events. One of them is drinks at Trades Hall at 7 o'clock on Monday night. So uh, you can definitely uh, catch up with people there and learn about some of the um, international um, industrial disputes that are happening. But we're going to kick off just in the region, actually, um, and we're going to start with some work that the Builders and Woodworkers International is doing. They recently released a report on innovative unionism in the Asia-Pacific region. The report is titled Workers' Recovery from COVID-19, Climate Change and Capitalism, and the report presents various initiatives on innovative unionism that challenge capitalist relations and structures and push for a green and sustainable economy based on the protection of workers' rights and the promotion of free universal public services. The report documents 10 trade unions from different countries in the Asia-Pacific region which have implemented creative initiatives that advance organising efforts amongst unorganised workers, especially young workers. Defending human rights and democracy, pushback against multinational companies and reduced gender-based violence and harassment at workplaces. The report gives an insight on the evolving activism of workers in the region in the 21st century. It tells the stories of trade unions challenging repressive regimes in Myanmar and the Philippines and ending modern slavery in India, Nepal and Cambodia. It shows how trade unionists are organising supply chains in Indonesia and using consumer demand for ethical standards to bring justice for migrant workers in Malaysia. The document also presents new experiences on how trade unions are standing up for gender equality and against the macho culture in the South Korean and Philippine construction industries while supporting Indigenous youth in skills training programs in Australia. And still in the region, we're going to go to Education International's Asia-Pacific Regional Conference uh, called Rebuilding the Asia-Pacific Educators and Their Unions at the Forefront towards a sustainable future. So this meeting provided education uh, trade unionists in the region and beyond with an extraordinary opportunity to connect, exchange experiences, new perspectives, fresh ideas and delve deeper into achieving decent working conditions for all education sector employees 
quality education for all children, as well as sustainable and a just future for all. So this conference was held from the 18th to the 20th of October in Siem Reap in Cambodia, and union delegates from the Asia-Pacific region used many networking opportunities, listened to some inspiring high-level presentations, and participated in in-depth sessions on key issues such as union renewal, climate change, gender equality, human and trade union rights, education financing, digitalisation and innovation. A consistent theme across all of these international conferences, of course, is climate change and union renewal. The conference was preceded by a full-day pre-conference events dedicated to issues of women, higher education, climate change education and youth in trade unions. And still in the Southeast Asia region, unions in the region met last month to discuss how to use occupational health and safety as a strategy to organise workers and build strong unions, protecting workers from a hazardous working environment. Participants in the cross-sectoral online meeting on the 26th of October heard how Indonesia's chemical, energy and mines workers had used OHS to organise workers after more than 100 workers had died at mine sites. This union, the CEMWU, has developed educational material and training on health and safety for organisers in different provinces, including OHS principles in collective agreements and holding related social dialogue with bosses. 65 unionists from Cambodia, Indonesia, Japan, Malaysia, Mongolia, Myanmar and the Philippines attended the meeting and agreed to set up a regional cross-sector OHS platform. I'm going to go to a track. This is Cry Freedom by Charcoal Club and then more news from around the region. Fighting for our rights How they like to judge The things we say and do From the safety of their ivory heights See we talk too loud Making trouble all the time We're only fighting for what is right What is right How they'd like us to sit so Quietly in the corner While they tell us all our wrongs from our right, we say, we say, can't be wrong if you're right, can't be wrong if you're right, can't be wrong if you're right, won't you cry freedom with me? So tired all the time But he laughed at life as he picked up his flag And he said Gonna fight for the world just one more time Choices come your way when you're marching down the street Come to the crossroads of your life 
follow your heart and follow your feet. Sometimes you gotta stand, sometimes you gotta fight. Yeah. Can't be wrong if you're right. Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. Digitu, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming. Download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. It is uh, 13 minutes past nine o'clock. You're on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents and I'm Giselle Hanna. We're doing news from around the region and now we're going to head to India. A global delegation of shipbuilding and shipbreaking unions visited the Alang shipyards in Gujarat, India and the downstream industries in the ship recycling ecosystem as <clears throat> Excuse me. As part of industrial global unions' campaign to clean up the shipbreaking industry, the solidarity visit by trade unionists from India. I'm just going to go to an announcement and then cough and come back. No more Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. One, two, three, four. 
Thank you, listeners, for your indulgence on that. We were talking about Industrial's global campaign around cleaning up the shipwrecking industry. And I was telling you that they'd organised a solidarity visit by trade unionists from India, Bangladesh, Singapore, Japan, France and the Netherlands and the Geneva head office. So they were all a part of a series of activities organised through the Shipbuilding and Shipbreaking Action Group. Considered the world's most dangerous job, shipbreaking has taken a terrible human toll in the shipyards of India, Bangladesh and Pakistan. However, India's shipyards have improved dramatically since the local union got organised and the country ratified the Hong Kong Convention on the Safe and Environmentally Sound Recycling of Ships in 2019. Although there are still issues at the workplace, including low wages, long hours and precarious work, the situation is much improved. Delegates toured two shipbreaking yards where workers have the right to stop work they feel is unsafe. Workers are provided with protective equipment and safe working plans. Moving now to Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, which we know is in an economic and political crisis and has been for much of this year, um, the, the government has been increasing its repression of worker protests and industrial action. The deteriorating worker rights situation in the country has been largely ignored by the international community. Sri Lanka is home to some of the world's largest garment manufacturers, with major brands sourcing from Sri Lanka, including Hugo Boss, Amazon, ASOS, Gap, L Brands, Levi Strauss, Little, Lululemon, Marks and Spencer, Nike, Next, Patagonia, Tesco and Boohoo, just among some. Women workers in Sri Lanka make up the majority of the country's garment workforce and they are the drivers of an industry representing 40% of the country's total exports. The Sri Lankan government itself is ignoring its legal obligations concerning social dialogue and has failed to convene the tripartite National Labor Advisory Council, which should meet every month. In recent weeks, the Free Trade Zone and GSEU trade unions, the largest trade unions in the garment sector, have been targeted with increased repression, including two office break-ins where documents were rifled through, as well as the sudden refusal to acknowledge its annual reports by the trade union registrar, who have instead stated that there are issues with the reports by the trade union registrar. Excuse me, let me just check that. Um, who have instead stated that there are issues with the Free Trade Zone and GSEU's constitution and their registration is therefore problematic. This suggests that there is a concerted effort by authorities to target these two unions and limit their support for garment workers. A lot going on in Sri Lanka at the moment. Um, the I want to go to another story about um, textiles, and this one comes from Pakistan. A clean clothes campaign... Uh, brief that was launched on the 14th of November shows that deadly safety incidents and violations occur regularly in Pakistani supplier factories to major brands. These incidents highlight the immediate need for a strong expansion of the International Accord on Health and Safety in the textile and garment industry to Pakistan, as garment worker unions in Pakistan have been calling for since 2018. 
Every brand which is not yet signed onto the accord must do so immediately to protect their workers, including brands, and you'll hear some similarities between this and the Sri Lanka story. Similar, but, uh, the, these brands include Levi's, Gap and Contour, which is Lee Wrangler. The safety incidents and violations reported on by Clean Clothes campaign are just a snapshot of the full extent of safety issues in Pakistan where many safety hazards go unnoticed and even deadly incidents will not be mentioned in the media due to lack of effective oversight and the sheer amount of these incidents. A clean clothes campaign factory incidents tracker that lists deadly and near lethal factory incidents since January 2021 shows over three dozen of such incidents in Pakistan over the past 20 months in factories of both Accord signatory brands and brands that have not signed the Accord. Most of the factory level issues mentioned in this report could have been easily detected and remediated had a program like the Legally Binding International Accord already existed. This safety program came into being in 2013 in direct response to the Rana Plaza collapse in Bangladesh. But even though only a year before that, Pakistan had seen the most deadly fire in a garment factory ever around the world um, and no such program has emerged there and that for those of you who don't remember is the Tasneem um, factory fire yes one of the most deadly in the world we're going to go to another track this one is time is all I have by Kutcher Edwards and then the last three news items for our mini news today I see birds from above Over walls I can't get past These feelings of desperation But I know that they won't last Time is all I have My past I leave Tomorrow That's all that's on my mind Dreaming of a place I'd rather be For it's not that far away Together with my friends and family Tomorrow 
Wildlife Victoria is a non-profit emergency response service committed to assisting wildlife in need across Victoria. Our trained and dedicated volunteers rescue and rehabilitate sick, injured and orphaned animals so they can be released back to their native habitat. If you see wildlife that may need our help, please contact us on 8400 7300. To donate or register to become a volunteer, hop onto our website at wildlifevictoria.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Come to me, lover, I've secrets to tell. Hi, we're Dash. And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly, this love of great pain. 24 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle and this is Asia Pacific Currents and our final three news items from the region. We're going to start in Thailand. Riot police fired rubber bullets and used tear gas against unarmed protesters trying to march to the APEC summit in Bangkok yesterday morning. At least 10 protesters were arrested. The People Stop APEC 2022 group attempted to march from Lanhon Myong Town Square to the Queen Sirikit National Convention Centre, where the APEC summit's currently being held from the 16th to the 19th of November. Riot police equipped with shields were ordered not to allow protesters near the centre. Protest leader Barami Chairat asked the police to let protesters through and warned that the group would attempt to break through the police barriers if they didn't move. Police stayed put and clashes broke out between them and protesters. Several rubber bullets were fired at close range of around two metres. Police then used tear gas against the group and protesters dispersed. At least two people were wounded by rubber bullets and a photographer for Reuters was injured in the clash. Protesters are calling for the resignation of Prime Minister Prayat Chan Ocha and the end of the APEC 2022 summit, saying that the host PM Prayut is an illegitimate leader. Protesters are expected to continue protesting today. 
In South Korea, the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, one of the largest union organisations in South Korea, held a large-scale rally last Saturday, the 12th of November. Tens of thousands gathered in Seoul to oppose government and big business plans for job cuts, restructuring and other anti-worker reforms. Approximately 90,000 demonstrators gathered in the rain in front of Sung Nyu Min um, near Seoul City Hall, chanting slogans that include Stop Anti-Worker Reforms, Reform Articles 2 and 3 of the Labor Union Act and Halt Privatisation. Protesters and union leaders also denounce a right-wing government of Yun Suk-yol for the tragedy in Itaewon. And that, for those of you that don't remember, that was the um, de- deadly Halloween crowd crush that happened on the 29th of October and left 158 people dead. The rally is an annual event held each November on the anniversary of the death of Jun Tae-il, a 22-year-old textile worker and activist who committed suicide by self-immolation on the 13th of November in 1970 to protest the brutal conditions in sweatshops under Park Chung-hee's military dictatorship. And our last story is one of the few good news stories coming out of Myanmar at the moment. Having spent 650 days in a Myanmar prison, accused of violating state secrets, Australian economist Professor Sean Turnell, an economic advisor to the democratically elected leader of Myanmar, Aung San Suu Kyi, who was deposed in a coup in February 2021, uh, Professor Turnell is now back in Australia. Turnell was one of nearly 6,000 political prisoners released by the military junta as part of an amnesty marking Myanmar's National Day. After being deported from Myanmar to Bangkok, Turnell flew overnight to Australia, landing in Melbourne on Friday morning to be reunited with his wife and family. An economist at Sydney's Macquarie University, Turnell had served as an economics advisor to the democratically elected government of Myanmar. He was first detained on the 6th of February last year, just less than a week after the military coup, which of course was on the 1st of February. Turnell was later charged with violating Myanmar's Official Secrets Act. He denied the charge, saying the documents were not confidential, but economic recommendations he'd provided to the government. He pleaded not guilty, but was convicted in a closed trial and sentenced in September to three years in prison. Other foreign political prisoners released on Thursday include former UK ambassador to Myanmar, Vicky Bowman, and her husband, Tian Lin, Japanese filmmaker, Toro Kubota, and American botanist, Kiao uh, Tae-u. That is all for news from around the region and all for another Asia-Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 19th of of November. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. But, of course, coming up next is news from around the region. Is (laughs) Palestine remembered?